Good evening, everybody. Welcome into the Nittany Lions Sports Report. It's live here on BLS. Bob Long, Tyler Gellhouse, your hosts every single week. And today we are hosts coming to you after a program that suffered uh, an unbelievably embarrassing loss on the road at the University of Michigan. Kind of searching for answers here, Tyler. I think this will be a little bit cathartic in many ways, uh, being able to reflect on this a little bit, get it off the chest, and move on to Wisconsin as they take on the Badgers this weekend. A noon kick, of course it is, uh, up at Beaver <laughs> Stadium. Yeah, I mean, that that Penn State loss uh, this past week to Michigan was, was the worst loss that Penn State has had um, since the last trip. Um, to the big house which is why up here we keep the same whiteboard as last week big house blues because they are continued um from the 2016 trip to um to michigan stadium in week four where penn state was beaten by just as bad as they were this saturday and um yeah not not good for this late in the season um hoping for a lot of progression but i just haven't seen it from this team yeah i think this is a show where we can certainly open it up to the listeners, we're live on Twitter. We are live on Facebook. Give us your thoughts, your commentary. Uh, if it's good, we'll throw it on the air and kind of react to it. What do you think about Penn State right now? What do you think about this program after that loss? And uh, what do you think about this season? I mean, they sit with three losses now and a team that has a lot of questions to answer with just three games left to go. Six and three. Winning the division is out of the equation. That was a far-reaching possibility before this last game. Clearly, any type of New Year's Six Bowl game, like a, the Rose Bowl, for example, you would think is at the very minimum out of the equation. It's out of the picture, right? And they would have to be the third team out of the Big Tw- Big Ten to, at best, to be in that position. And I don't see yeah, that happening. I, I think what they should shoot for right now, um, obviously, is to focus on Wisconsin. I mean. Wisconsin's not having a great year themselves. Um, they're probably equally, maybe probably a little bit more disappointed than Penn State. Big Ten West is a lot weaker than the Big Ten East. Um, granted, you have a team like Purdue that's it's pleasant surprise out there as of late. Northwestern's leading the West currently. Um, Iowa could have had the West. Simply, they didn't want to win the West, it seems like. Um, so Wisconsin, with that start to be... BYU with the loss. They really just haven't gotten the ball rolling this year. Um, and you could really say the same thing about Penn State. Um, almost identical from last season with the exception to the the blowout loss at Michigan with the losses to Ohio State, Michigan State, back-to-back weeks and games that they led in the fourth quarter. Um, still a good amount to play for. Um, as you were saying, we're gonna, Penn State needs to focus on Wisconsin first because that's the most important game. And then not to look ahead too much, but Rutgers should be an easy win. And finishing the season at home against Maryland should also be a win. Even though they are a much improved football team, they have a lot of turmoil right now going on within that program. If they can win the last three, go 9-3, and three, I think that sets them up for probably um, formerly known as a Capital One Bowl, mm-hmm. uh, the Citrus Bowl in Orlando, Florida, uh, probably taking on a team from the SEC, whether that be Kentucky Wildcats, um, possibly Joe Moorhead's Mississippi State Bulldogs um, or even the Florida Gators or potential matchups right now that if Penn State takes care of these next three, I think that's a likely landing spot for them. And they'd, I think they have a good opportunity to get that 10th win on the season um, to make it three wins, three seasons in a row with 10-plus wins. And and um, Don't discount the possibility, by the way, that LSU could slip up. They could. 
They could and, and find and their be, way into a game. Yeah, like so that. Um, still a lot to play for. Obviously, uh, not really the the season. The this is the way we thought it would play out, or um, a lot of people wanted to play out. But really, at the at the end of the day, um, a lot of so called mm-hmm. experts did predict a nine and three type season, simply based off of losing Saquon Barkley, Deshaun Hamilton, Mike Gesicki, Joe Moorhead other assistant coaches, not to mention the losses that they lost on defense. So um, very frustrating game it was on Saturday, um, and, and it was totally embarrassing, and, and and I'm more upset, and I'll get into it with some of the things I saw from the coaching staff that, that just is, it just keeps me scratching my head, and I don't understand. It's like they haven't learned, and it's simple simple football stuff. Well, yeah, and, and listen, we promise the listeners, hey, there's no guests tonight, there is no blitz tonight, and it's because we want to come to the viewers and the listeners and just talk about what happened on Saturday and get it out of your system once and for all. Let's start with it. Michigan goes right down the football field after getting the ball on, what was it, three well, and out for Penn State? Let's, let's, not, let's not start with that because let's start with how the game started. Okay. With Penn State getting a first down, a nice play to Pat Fryermuth for about 20 yards down the middle. All right. Penn State gets a first down, and then I believe uh, McSorley gets either sacked once, once or twice he gets sacked. Forces Penn State to, um, to punt. Okay. But before the punt, they couldn't, I guess it was fourth and 17, they had to take a timeout. They couldn't get the punt team out there in time. They were going to take a delay game. First possession of the game, and you're calling a timeout on the mm-hmm. punt. I mean, I don't understand how – I mean, that's like middle school, high school stuff. You know, and no offense to those coaches and players at that level, but that should not be happening at this level for a punt on a fourth and 17. So right off the bat, in my opinion, not that the, the, that costs them points or anything, but mentally prepared, I was like, this is going to be a long day because um, – it's basic preparation, mm-hmm. and and it continued after that. So if you want to go through the sure. the first drive for Michigan, we'll, we'll keep it going. They run right down the field, punch it in. I don't seven think points. they threw it once. Yeah, I don't think they did. Maybe one short pass, but that was it. Mm-hmm. I don't even think they did that. Just offensive line against defensive line. Who's going to win the battle? It became apparent pretty quickly who was going to win the battle. They go up seven nothing. Penn State. They get the football back. They have an opportunity to get a first down. Trace McSorley. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Before that, the kickoff. <laughs> okay, the first play after the kickoff, Penn State's coming out on the field. Couldn't get the play in delay of game. Mm-hmm. Okay? See the, you see the common theme here. I mean, you're shooting yourselves in the foot. You're giving Boy, away. You your, have been waiting they, for this show. I have been. As soon as this <laughs> stuff was happening, I was typing in my notes. So now you're first and 15 at the 20. Yeah. As a, I mean, it. Five yards is a big deal in any football game, especially when you're playing Michigan's defense. And when you're, again, the unprepared, the, you can't get the play in. No one's, I mean, come on. Can we talk about third down then? Go ahead, talk about Trace third down. Trace McSorley draws it up the middle. Great has play all, call, by the way. Great play call, has all the space, even has room to dart further left if he'd like because the linebacker was coming from the right-hand side as he saw him. And he goes into a slide, and as soon as he did it, it was very clear that was a half yeah, yard short. A lot, of, and that's a, the funny thing, Bob, with that with that particular play is, I was looking on Twitter. A lot of people on Twitter were like, "Oh, why didn't Franklin, you know, challenge that? Why didn't Franklin challenge that? Because they well, wouldn't have owned it." So for one thing, for one thing, if he challenges that and loses it, which he would have, now he's down to one timeout, three minutes into the game, four yeah. minutes into the game, whatever. Okay, 
the the rule is when you slide feet first, it's where you break for your slide. That's right. So as soon as you break to that baseball slide, that is where you're down. And it's actually, not where, Tyler, it's not where your knee hits and where the ball is at that time because all that matters is where the ball is. 100% correct. And actually, you see a lot of referees, in my opinion, get a little bit too lenient with that rule. Yeah. And I was very happy with that call. Not As, that it affected Penn right. State It was the right call. Where he broke the slide was at the 34 as opposed to the 35. And very rarely do referees, to the letter of the law, get that call right. They usually give you a half yard of grace period. Well, and that was the right call. It, it was something that, obviously, if you go head first, it is where your if elbow you go head hits first, where the ball where, is at the whatever time. Whatever hits first and where the ball is at that time, head first, correct. Right. And so that is how Penn State has to punt from there. So that was kind of where I was like, I was like, this is a fifth-year senior quarterback in McSorley. Yeah. All right, we don't need to go over all the accolades and all the big games he's won. He's been a tremendous quarterback for Penn. I don't know if he has been mentally in it since that injury against Iowa. And, and I don't think that he physically, not even mentally, physically I don't think he looked in it. And I think that that... And and I think it was a horrible combination with the Michigan defense. Yep. But he just didn't look like himself. I mean, do we know he's healthy though? We I, mean, I asked the question. We last really week. we really don't. But you're never gonna know unless he's out for the season. That's the only way you ever know injury report under James Franklin's yep. if they're out for the season. But with that run, I mean, how many times have you seen Trace McSorley elude that defender, go to the left a little bit, and pick up five ten more yards? Yep. And he slid. That's why I think it was. The injury is bothering him. Mentally, yeah. he slid when he's back there, and the line was terrible. When when he's back there, I think that's why his throws were errant, too. So Michigan, I don't know if this is exactly the next drive, but they get the ball. They get into field goal range, and they decide they're going to kick a long 51-yard field goal with one Quinn Nordine. The, that, was, that was the second quarter. Yeah, that was a second Couple quarter. Drives. It was, but, yep. but but the first quarter went very quickly. No, there weren't was, a ton of drives. Right, mm-hmm. they were it going did because Michigan just ran, ran, ran. Right. So yes. So correct. that might have been their second, maybe third. Drive so it was. Of the game. This was the Quinn Nordine field goal, third quarter, second quarter. Second I'm sorry, quarter. Second quarter. Yes. Penn State gets a block. Garrett Taylor picks up the football, starts running backwards, and for the first two seconds, you're thinking, "What is he doing?" Then you realize none of the Michigan guys are on that side of the field, none and. Of Penn State has blockers. So he's heading down the field, scores a touchdown. There's a flag that comes in in the middle of the field. Three flags. But the one that really did him in was the block below the waist, the one that was enforced, which was a bogus call. Very bad call. Bogus, because the rest were against Michigan. Very, very, very bad call. And I know it's a point of emphasis for officials across the board, but a low block is... Essentially what happened was Zach McPherson, number 14, yep. a cornerback for Penn State, probably 5'11", 195, is going up against blocking a you know, 6'4", 325 offensive lineman. And Garrett Taylor brings it around this side. As you said, the play changed directions, and it, Penn State had blockers. Literally barrel rolls, pretty much. Doesn't he essentially acts as a pick. Doesn't even touch, make contact with number 50 on Michigan, the lineman. Yep. And that was called an illegal block below the waist because they were trying to prevent injuries, but it had no impact on – it had an impact on the play in the sense that it was a block. Yep. But he didn't make contact, and there was – so there was no point for – to 
stop him from hurting him for a player perspective because they didn't even hit him. Right. So number fifty, so, by the way, was Michael Onwenu, the guy yes. that we talked about in our blitz it from was. a run blocking perspective. But how he did contribute uh, Ter- with this and as then, well. And then Michigan actually had two penalties on that play. And essentially, what happened was they met and it said, "Well, the Penn State declined the one Michigan penalty and they accepted the other." So Penn State literally got the ball where. The they recovered the block yep. pretty much, which yep. it was just a terrible call. Terrible call. Not that that cost Penn State the game in any way. However, it would have been interesting to see. All right, seven seven special. Te- you need that kind of stuff to happen. You need a big special yep. teams play, defensive turnover. Now the game restarts. You give the offense right. for Penn State a free pass, mm-hmm. and what changes at that point? Right. Again, no excuse for what happens next. Penn State can't do anything on that drive. They're struggling to move the ball ten yards at a time. Michigan adds another touchdown. And it's well, fourteen so, nothing at the half. And right after the play, um, the touchdown being called back, fumble. Yeah, another McSorley Sanders exchange fumble. Which, you know, it happened last week against Iowa when the game could have been put away. They could have gone up seventeen points and they That's fumbled. Right. I don't understand this late in the season with two veteran guys how that kind of thing is happening. I'm I just you. don't understand. I mean, this is something that Penn State has done for the last three, four years is this RPO. Yeah. And I don't understand how this can be happening this late in the season with veteran guys. I mean, you, they practice it a hundred times a day. I don't, if, I, if I there's mean, I don't, only, if there's only one caveat, it's that running this style of offense is more conducive sure. to fumbling the football sure. because it is so much based on deception and based on tucking that yep. football yep. and who has it. You're holding it for as long as you can to make the defensive end on the other it, side make a it decision. Has its, it has its pros, but the con, you know the cons are there too, and they're costly. Yep. So so then they go into the half. It was 14 nothing at half, right? It was. And you're thinking, all right, well, if they can find a way to get a touchdown early in the third quarter. Right. And, and the defense was playing terrific, really. I mean, they held for up. For the pressure they, they were put They on. held up for the amount that they were on defense. You know, they and not that Michigan's offense is going to do anything crazy, but physically Penn State's defense actually did very well. And they forced Michigan to actually to punt the ball um, mm-hmm. right before um, or after the first possession. But if we, if we could real quick. Um, Let's do it. I, I would like to go back to, before, before I forget, um, Two things, all right? I'm pretty sure they were right be- both right before the half. Yeah. After Michigan's second touchdown, 14 nothing. okay, they kick off. Ball goes out of bounds. Penn State ball at the 35-yard line. James Franklin elects to re-kick it. So Michigan backed up maybe five yards, I think it was, re-kicks it. Hamler runs out to 23. 12-yard difference. Yep. I understand you want KJ Hamler to get touches. Okay, he's a playmaker. If you're that concerned about him getting touches, get him more than one catch in the game. I think that'd be a good start. Get him on some jet sweeps. Get him the ball a little bit more than one, and especially two being the kickoff. Okay, you're giving up 12 yards, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it is when the team is giving you free yards and you can't move the ball against them. Yep. Why wouldn't you take that? I agree. Later on that drive, that they ended up moving the ball, McSorley overthrows a streaking Tompkins, DeAndre Tompkins, it would have made it 14-7. Yep. Wide open. Wide open down the sideline. Okay. Right after that, McSorley gets sacked. Fourth down, Penn State. One minute, six seconds left in the half. Michigan has no timeouts. 
Penn State calls a timeout. Fourth and 17 yep. calls a timeout to punt. They're stopping the clock for Michigan. Doesn't make much sense to me. They punt it. Nothing came of it. Michigan didn't score, thank God. They kind of just took a knee, went to the half. Um, James Franklin yesterday in his press conference said, well, we were going to – something along – paraphrasing, something along the lines of we were going to – we're thinking about taking a chance to get something going. So that's even scarier to me that you're at the 40-yard line. You're at the Michigan 40-yard line at least, and it's fourth and 17 with a minute left, and you're going to think about trying to get like a spark. Because if you don't get it, Michigan's probably going to get points out of that. So that's very concerning to me too. Yep. So. Well, and that was one where that same play, that play right before it, it was third, I believe, in 10 or something to that elk. Mm-hmm. McSorley takes a sack. Can't take a sack. Absolutely. You can't take a sack because 4th right. and 10 is a lot different you, than 4th and 17. You are going for right. it, and as soon as you lose that, you're not going for it. And that's immediate. That's me. That's you. And I know that we're not sitting there on the sideline with the pressure of what James Franklin is going to, but that is people that are not being uh, paid to be a college football coach understanding that when that seven yards comes off the board, given the time and given the yardage, you're no longer going for it on fourth down. No, it should have never even been in their thought process. I mean, and then to call a timeout to give the other team, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. But yeah. So then I just wanted to go on a little rant right there. Thank no, you. No, it's well played. Um, and then the second half obviously was over. And, and by the end of the third quarter, the defense was running out, out of juice. Totally worn out. And, you know, giving up is a, I think, too strong a term for the position that they were being put in by the offense. Yeah, I mean, the offense was just terrible across the board. I mean, we we know McSorley looked terrible. He probably feels terrible. Than, I don't. He's not a hundred percent. I can. Yep. Just you can tell by the way he's playing. Um, Stevens provided a little bit of a spark. Then threw a terrible pick six. I, I don't. I'm not making an excuse for him, but I don't think he saw the defender on the replay. There's there is a guy that looks wide open on Penn State, but then in be, in front of him is Fryermuth covered by Michigan guy, and I don't think he saw the Michigan guy behind them that ended up picking it off and running it back. Um, and then McSorley came back if that in. Received, if that linebacker wasn't there, that ball falls 15 yards short of the receiver going on streaks. I think it was Tompkins. Yeah. I mean, and, and nowhere near Fryer. Nah, yeah. I mean, he should have probably just kept it. And, Done something and, else. Yeah. But it was one of the worst throws I've was, ever seen. It was bad. Um, it, it was bad. But, and then, you know, they're rotating the quarterbacks and McSorley comes in. Throws one off the hands of Bowers. Yeah, I had a real I had Michigan a real, ball. I mean, may what, I stop you now on sure. that one because that is where I had a huge problem. If Mick Sorley is hurt, take him out of the football game. Yeah, exactly. If Mick Sorley is not hurt, do not take him out of the football game, unless you are going to go to Tommy Stevens and stick with Tommy Stevens. Do not sit McSorley for a play or a series. Put Tommy Stevens into the game, see him throw a historically bad interception, and then say, "All right, now feels like the time to put McSorley yeah, back in the game." I, it was horrendous. It was reactionary. It was. It was. It was a. It was. And it was really, like series by series. Yeah, like it went completely. McSorley Stevens. McSorley. Like, well, then McSorley I, got hurt. I would then have he got all, banged up. I would. I would almost have rather had there. There was no spark on offense. I mean. There was there was no spark. The line played terrible. Everybody played terrible. Well, I shouldn't say everybody because some players made some nice plays, but not many. Um, but why not, before it's totally out of hand, just say, just 
Trace isn't 100%. We're taking him out. We understand this game's out of reach. Just yep. throw, That's roll it. Tommy out there the whole game. Let him learn. That's it. You know, see what he can do. I mean, what we yeah. know what Trace can do, and he's banged up. So let's see what Tommy can do. It was a really bad I, look. And, and listen, Trace getting banged up on the next series didn't help. The fact that Tommy Stevens then had to come in, like you said, on the next series. But I, I don't know if there's a great corollary, a great example. But uh, the best I can think of is, that, you know, and there are different rules in hockey, but – it's like pulling a goaltender after he's had a bad game. Your backup comes in, and, and a, a puck rolls over his stick and into the net, and you're like, well, I guess we should put the starter back in there. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I mean, know. I, I know that's you. not a great corollary, and there there are different rules in terms of substitutions there, but completely, completely Psychologically, ridiculous. too. I mean, you know. I know it doesn't matter, and the game was over. Just a horrible look for a guy that – doesn't deserve it. He didn't. I, no, I mean, I, I agree, and and that that objectively pissed me off. Right, and I know, we, and I'm going to change subject here a little bit if you don't mind. I do not. Okay, because you were talking about this is cathartic, isn't yeah, it? Because you're saying the game is over, and I I am all right with losing games. I don't like getting killed out. I, I don't like I don't like I don't like losing any game, really. Um, but. I can take a team that is better than you, like Michigan was, and beating you the way Michigan did. I cannot stand the the preparation that we've seen, um, the same play calls. Like what what made Ronnie think that running the direct snap to Sanders like five times with excuse me with McSorley or Stevens next to him, like they wait the way they scored last year to open yeah. the game against Michigan would work on them this year. And they yeah. run it five times, like they thought it was actually going to work. And so between the play calling um, and just the same mistakes, game management was terrible. That's the stuff that really irks me for the future. I can get over the game, but it concerns me about the future because the same things that we saw last season, with the exception we didn't get blown out last season like we did this week, and Penn State has hardly got blown out under Franklin yeah, two times at Michigan. That's right is the fact that we are still losing games the same way. And with that, I mean game management, decision-making on the coaching staff. I don't want to go into play calling because that didn't cost Penn State this game, but just overall preparation, like the timeouts and stuff, and the pre- I mean, it's it just gets old yeah. after a while. Yeah. Uh, only thing I'll say there is what is lost in what you're talking about, about switching – uh, switching Sanders sure. and the quarterback and the direct snap there is that last year that worked on the first play and it worked it, brilliantly. It did. It did not work the rest of the game. And it did. That was the one thing that Dom Brown it, it, adjusted you can't to last fool, year. What do they say? Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool, fool me, me twice. Shame, shame on me. me. So there you but go. But they weren't fooled twice and it worked once last year. Fooled seven times. Yeah. So. And so that's what they decided to go back to. Listen, it, the other we got to say one thing. We're 25 minutes into this. We haven't said yet. Michigan's a darn good football team. They are. And they're going to be tough to beat for a lot of people. I mean, So we're not saying no. that Penn State was the better team because clearly they were not or that they should have won that game because they clearly should not have. What we're talking about is controlling the controllables. And there were a lot of controllables that Penn State – Muffed big time, and that's that, and that's what I was just saying. That drives me crazy. Um, you know, just just silly, silly mistakes um, by Penn State, and 
And you know what? On that topic, I'm I'm getting really frustrated with the same receivers playing over and over again and making the same mistakes. Juwan Johnson didn't make the trip. He's apparently still injured from Indiana. He did not make the trip. Not sure how yeah. big of an impact that really seriously had. Um, at the beginning of the year, we all were praising him, as well as the receiving group. Um, you know, Brandon Polk has continued to drop wide-open passes. Still cannot block. So my thing is, why is he out there? Um, I don't know. Where here? I have a couple of questions. Not that we can answer, but one, can Penn State find a different position, not even a different position, a way to get Hamler and Jahan Dotson, number five mm-hmm. freshman receiver, on the field at the same time? They're both slot receivers. Uh, they have to find a way to get them both on the field at the same time because right now they are their only two reliable yeah. receivers. Frymuth is extremely reliable. He is. Uh, but he's a tight end. But... um. They have to find a way to get Hamler and Dotson on the field at the same time because they're the only ones making plays out of the receivers right now. My second question is, where is Justin Shorter? I mean, we heard that he was a little dinged up in camp. Okay, camp was about two, three months ago now. Um, you know, early August. Um, I'm a little concerned about maybe he's just slow developing. Um, and again, we'll see these next couple games with the red shirt rule. Now these guys... And and we talked about that. I said I don't think there's any reason to redshirt him because he's not going to be here for five years. Um, mm. With a talent like that, I you. hardly rarely. But at this point, I changed my stance on it. Okay, keep All the right, shirt good. on at this point. All right. So yeah, I didn't think it would drag out this long. Then. I didn't think it would drag out this long. But he's played in one game, Justin Shorter. I would play him this week against Wisconsin if yep. he's healthy. Assuming he's healthy, that's two. And then I would probably sit him against Rutgers, believe it or not. Yeah, sure. Um, or that, Maryland, one or the that, other. Play him in the ball. And game. Rutgers, he's from um, New Brunswick, where I believe Rutgers is. Um, that area, um, Piscataway. Piscataway. It, it's all it's, it's all there. the same. It's all really fun. Um, but uh, <laughs> anyway, he. Uh, so I don't know if they'll let him play. I don't know. You know, it's a, coming home, whatever. Or Maryland. Figure out one of those games. Right. Let them play in the bowl because the bowl game does Absolutely. count. As far as I'm concerned, as far as I know, the bowl game counts as one of the four games. Yep. Only makes sense. Sure. Um, so, and I think that's going to be huge. I think this bowl game, believe it or not, that we're already looking forward um, to at the end of the season, I think this bowl game is going to go a long way. The bowl prep, help, the extra practices. For this, for this team who is a very young team, mind you, and and towards the end of the season here, I'm going to do a little roster breakdown. We're going to do a little roster breakdown yeah. on on what to expect next year and really how young this team is. Um, also, not and, and how young the coaches are and inexperienced, it, especially on the offense. Sure. Um, but I think that these extra 15 practices will really help young guys like Shorter, you know, impact guys that they're going to be relying on for next season. I think it'll go a long way. All right, folks, let's uh, open it up again. Give us a shout on Twitter, at Bob Long Sports, or on Facebook if you're watching our live stream. It's at Bob Long. You can give us a shout as to what you think about anything that we've chatted about so far. Uh, we have some some folks having some fun with us. We have, a, unfortunately, a Michigan fan, Brett from, from Philadelphia, saying Tommy Stevens equals Tom Brady. Long way to go there. Uh, unless we're talking about Miles Sanders taking a direct snap and then Tommy Stevens going out for a pass. But I think he's got better hands than Tom Probably. Brady, if you ask me. Probably. Uh, and then uh, and then a good, good buddy, Dalton, who's actually out in Chicago right now, spent some time in Michigan, but he is anything but a Michigan fan. He gave us the time of day and – 
informed us that Michigan still sucks. Uh, I don't know if that's the case, unfortunately, after what we saw this weekend, but we appreciate well, the support, Dalton. Yeah. They had um, Michigan. This was this was their year, really. If you and and I think the first game fooled a lot of people. Yep, I think against so too. Notre Dame. I mean, the first so game too. because Michigan on paper, this was their like this was their year. Yeah. You know? Well, listen, and we so. t- we mentioned it right at the end of the last week's show. And it, Wilton it Spates happens. not coming out of that locker yeah. room. I know Shea, Shea Patterson. I know Shea Patterson isn't the probably came in as that crown jewel and certainly is very important to this team isn't actually going to light things up all that much, but gives you that stability with a better defense behind them right now and a more experienced offensive line than last year. It's a complete football team. And that defense and their ability to really shut down other offenses. Now, Penn State's offense wasn't playing well, but we're going to see over the rest of the season. We're going to see what they do to Ohio State. And we're going to see what they do in the Big Ten championship game, although probably against well, a lesser opponent. Well, North- Could that be a team that handles a really strong offense like a Clemson, or dare I even say an Alabama in a situation it, like that? Interesting, though, because Michigan, if, if Northwestern holds up and wins the West, yep. um, Michigan beat them 20-17. to 17. And really, Northwestern had a seventeen nothing lead. Really should have lost So that they might game. match up pretty well against uh, Michigan. I'm not sure. May I say this? It feels, and it's also has to do with the, the game that Penn State just played, but doesn't it feel as if Michigan's a better football team than they were even four weeks ago? I mean, they're, they're, they're improving every week from what I've seen. Um, they really are, and, and, and you can say that, um, you know, not to mention the game at the end of the season against Ohio State, which is going to be for the Big Ten East. Ohio State is actually kind of going in the opposite direction of Michigan. Yep. I mean, they barely squeaked out a home win against, at home against Nebraska. What's going on And there? it's not the Nebraska of the 90s, 80s and 90s. It's 2018 right. Nebraska, which is totally rebuilding under Scott Frost. I mean, and after that loss to Purdue. I mean, they Purdue, the loss there. I mean, they, they have actually regressed. And I'm not sure really what to make of Penn State this year. I mean... They really, after the Appalachian State win, it was like, all right, what are we really getting? Then they look good a couple of weeks, and they don't, they blow games, and they get killed. It's like I don't know what the, I don't know if we're, I don't think we're improving, but I don't. It seems to me that there is a lot of regression going on. Well, that's interesting because I look at there's been one really convincing game all year, and that was Pitt, and that was a game in the rain, and frankly, the first half wasn't all that impressive. ACC they first place? Yeah, in the, true. in the Coastal or Atlantic, I'm not sure, yeah. opposite of Clemson. They have not they have not put together 60 minutes, even in their best game of the even season. Even against Illinois. App State, obviously, don't need to say anything about that. Pitt, terrible first half, played great in the second half. Kent, Kent State. State. Kent State. Illinois, trailing. In the third quarter. Yep. And then win, put 60 points up on the They board. actually did play very well against Ohio State for the majority they did. of that game. They did. They that did. That was their best 45 to 50 minutes of football consecutively all year. Yep. And then Michigan obviously. Michigan State was terrible. Wheels came off. I think that Ohio State game really, really deflated this team psychologically. I think it deflated the coaches. I think it deflated the team and I think it deflated the fan base a little it's bit fair. too. It's very fair. Now the other question there is what is Ohio State and what was Ohio State that night? What were we really watching? And I, I I'm gonna bring you back to another example, and this is not to hate on the Big Ten. Do you remember the year two thousand seven? Two thousand six, truly. 
2006, there's a game of the century. Ohio State and Michigan on November 30th. One verse two? 2006. Ohio State wins that football game at the Big House, one versus two, 41 to 38. And then everybody says, well, we got to see this matchup again. Clearly. Way before the college football playoff, too. This is still BCS. This is before the Big Ten even had a conference championship. Chad Henney, the quarterback. Henney was the quarterback. And Troy Smith. And Troy Smith won the Heisman that year for Ohio State. So then they're saying, well, we got to have this again. Well, what happens? They decide, the BCS, on a very controversial basis, to put a young, fledgling Florida Gators program. Not young and fledgling. Coach I shouldn't by. say that. Coached by Urban Meyer, of course. I'm sorry. I was actually thinking of the very next year when Alabama actually, or two years ago, Alabama beats um, Florida. That's what I meant by that fledgling comment. But Florida was on the way up. They were on the come. They had a Chris Leak at quarterback and a young Tim, Tim Tebow, Tebow as a Gator, freshman. At the Gator position. Yes, sir. And they put them in that championship game. 41-14 to 14 later, Florida. Florida routes Ohio State. 32 to 18 later, Southern Cal hammers Michigan in a game that probably wasn't even that close Rose Bowl. at the Rose Bowl. And all of a sudden, we look back and say, our perspective at the end of November didn't make any sense right. based on what we saw when they went in between conferences. Now, in this case, Penn State, Ohio State, we thought, I thought, I was fooled. Ohio State's that good. Penn State can be that good. Penn State outplays them. They win that football game. They're number three, number two in the country. Well, then Ohio State goes and gets waxed by Purdue. Then Ohio State almost loses to Nebraska. Penn State plays terribly against Michigan State and loses that football game. And then they get beaten 42-7 to against Michigan. Well, so... But what's Penn, the perspective now versus I know. September 29th? Well, it's a little different comparing this to 2007 or whatever year that was because this was played in September. That was yep. played last week. A lot of things change, and I, I don't know. I mean, Ohio State apparently – changed? No, I mean, State? well, you know, even Ohio State didn't look all that great against TCU. Yeah. And, and they were like, oh, TCU's ranked team. TCU's terrible this TCU's year. TCU's terrible. So it's like really – what I, I don't know what to make of Penn State. I don't know what to make of – it's hard to really make anything of anybody um, outside of Alabama and even really Clemson right now. I th- yeah. I think that they are in a league of their own, but Alabama is certainly above right. that in a league of their very own. Can we talk as well while we're getting cathartic here, and this is a time-honored tradition here on BLS, and that is absolutely waxing the college football playoff committee for stupid decisions. I don't know how they come up with these decisions. LSU at number seven is a total joke. LSU, when you look at their resume, they've now lost by four touchdowns to Alabama, didn't put up a point at home. I don't care if you're playing their offense the is terrible, Philadelphia man. Eagles or who, who – oh, my goodness. That, that, I mean, that is brutal. And you have, you have – L- de- What de- else did they do? But they, de- they lost by double digits to Florida. Yeah, and I mean, Death Valley at home in that atmosphere, it, it's apparent – from what I've read, it's like literally Penn's Beaver Stadium whiteout, Death Valley night game are like 1A, 1B of bucket list games yep. for any fan to go to and witness. And, you know, the fans were in it. And it was just, I mean, Alabama was just making, and, and LSU didn't have Devin White for the first half. They're starting to linebacker. It didn't matter. I mean, yep. their offense couldn't move the ball if they tried. I mean, and they tried. It was brutal. And they couldn't even move the ball. I agree. I, I mean, I don't know how they, they don't fall farther than seven. I well, mean, they... They have no business being there. One of my favorite sports stories of all time, Tyler, is 
after the 2011 college, well, I was actually the BCS championship at the time, when it was the 9-6 game, LSU beat Alabama in the regular season, they gave them the rematch, which they should have done. And I think everybody realized that Alabama was the better team the night they lost 9-6, and they were the better team in general. Now, that became very apparent after they beat them 21-0. In the, in the championship. And LSU game. didn't even get the ball past midfield. Until the, whole the fourth game. quarter. Yeah, yeah. With so, Jordan Jefferson, who's the quarterback. Right. right. So, the very next year, when the LSU Tigers basketball team travels to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, the student section was ready for this one. LSU wins the tap, dribbles the ball again across the midcourt stripe, and there is a standing ovation oh from the God. entire Alabama <laughs> arena. One of the greatest things that I've ever seen. I'll have to look that one up. That does sound Go check pretty that funny. Out. Go check that oh out on God. YouTube. Uh, a little bit of paying homage to an LSU team that mustered 92 to a Man, Alabama has game. their number, man. I mean, Alabama has everybody's They have everybody's number, number but they – they are they're owning LSU really as of late. I mean, and Mississippi State and, and Arkansas, everybody, and Texas A and M, and everybody, everybody in the except SEC maybe West. Clemson because Clemson got them once. Yep, and they'll probably have another shot at them this year. Yeah, yes, indeed. All right, Tyler. So you feel good? You feel cathartic? Is there anything else you want to talk about? I mean, or do you want to do some picks? I mean, I'll, I'll talk about um, this game this week with. Uh, Yep. With Penn State, Wisconsin. I mean, if, at the beginning of the season, this looked like it could be a preview. The game. A preview, maybe, for the Big Ten Championship. And really, right now, you have two six and 6-3 teams fighting for the best non... What do they call it? Um, Power Six? What do, they, what do they call it? New Year's Six Bowl yep. games. Um, you know, obviously, in college, there'll be a lot of pride to play for. You know, to, you have tons to play for. Nobody should have to get you up for a game. However... It's just weird because at the beginning of the season you thought, all right, this could be a huge game. It's still a big game for both programs. I don't even know if Wisconsin's quarterback, quarterback Alex Hornibrook, is going to play. Yeah, head Sounds injury. Like that might not be the um, case. He's been very average to say the least this season. Anyway, as we know, they're going to run the ball with Jonathan Taylor over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how the Penn State defense is this week after really playing two extremely physical lines in Iowa. And Michigan just running the ball, specifically Michigan. I'm I'm interested to see how Penn State really as a team bounces back, but yep. really the offense too. And I mean, I think it's a game that Penn State Penn State needs to win this game. Not for any championships or anything like that, but for the for the well being of their program, they need to win this game on Saturday. You could also say the same thing in some ways about Wisconsin, which makes it very, very you interesting. Could, you could, but it's a little different. It's at home for Penn State. Yep. Wisconsin has maybe a backup quarterback going, maybe um, you know, Penn State's coming off a terrible loss. I mean, it's you know, and Franklin's made some comments about we have to be elite, not great. Well, right, right. now you're not even great. So, yep. Uh, two comments coming in here. Thanks to Seth for this one. Tyler, I'm going to swing this one your way. Thoughts on the main difference in the program being the loss of overall confidence, particularly compared to the atmosphere surrounding the program and the upperclassmen following that Minnesota and Ohio State win two years ago. What really kind of jump-started them over, what, a three-week span, those yeah. two games. Uh, that loss of overall confidence, so, Seth well, wants to know. So the loss, of, the loss of overall confidence, you know, the last two seasons really, back to that Minnesota game that you mentioned, we were we started riding high as a fan base, and – 
Um, the team had swagger. I mean, you had the best player in the country, regardless of Heisman votes, and Saquon Barkley. Um, you had one of the best tight ends. You had playmakers. The team was fun to watch. Everyone always forgets the name Chris Godwin. I mean, the, the guy caught yep. anything and everything. The team was fun to watch. Obviously, when everything they're putting up points, you know, and and the defense was playing well too. And even a non sexy position like and, Brandon Bell. And honestly, like guy, yeah, and honestly, you know, in Grant Haley, like I, I think a lot of it was that 2016 was so unexpected that you know, you know, you talk about that Minnesota game that changed it, and they won out after losing, getting killed at Michigan. They won out. They needed Michigan to lose two games. They did. They lost at Iowa. They lost in overtime or late in the game at Ohio State Yep. as Penn State was kicking off that final game at Michigan State. By the way, Michigan was kicking Ohio State's tail that whole mm-hmm. game. That and they mean. just couldn't really take advantage of it. If yep. I, yeah. And then, so a lot of things went Penn State's way that year. And, and a lot of things need to go your way for that kind yep. of season. You know, the Big Ten Championship and then the Rose Bowl, obviously, great game, lost it. Um, the USC, and a lot of people thought Penn State should have been in the playoff that year. But I think that was just such a magical, unexpected season, and the expectations were extremely the highest they've ever been going into last year because the whole team pretty much returned. And then you have those two tough losses. Still make it to the Fiesta Bowl, okay? You win the Fiesta Bowl. You finish 11-2, and two, probably a little bit short of, I. you know, I thought last year should have been a playoff year for them, and, and it really was right there for the taking. And they lost a lot of those key players Barkley, uh, Hamilton, Gasicki, Marcus Allen, Jason Cabinda, Grant Haley. The list goes on and on of, of key players mm-hmm. um, that you lost, and a lot of leadership there, too. And you lost a lot of coaches, too. You lost Joe Moorhead. Charles Huff went with him to M- Mississippi State. Josh Gaddis. You lost Gaddis to Alabama. I mean, that's a huge one. You, you lost a lot of coaches, and you have a lot of new co- coaches on the staff. So I'm not really sure if I'm answering the question, but. Um, I just think that this is a little bit of a transition year. I mean, I've said it over and over again, and we're going to talk about it in a couple of weeks. One starting senior on offense, McSorley. Granted, Tompkins here and there hasn't really done much this year. And and on defense, it's really Oruarie, Scott, and Farmer who hasn't done much and is being outplayed by Parsons. So right. I think it's a little bit of a transitional year, and I think that you're going to get that in college football. It takes a, it takes the wind out of the sails of the fans that are – want to win now they see the latest success and that's how everybody is just by nature but um just it seems like a little bit of a transition you're on the field and in and with the coaches yeah the other thing about this game i mean they played terribly against michigan state you mentioned the window and they the still sales. should have beat michigan they state as, beat, as badly as they played if they had beaten michigan state and again i'm not saying they would have beaten michigan because i don't think they would have but they would no. have had the one At the beginning loss of the season going, i didn't think they were going to beat michigan right they would have had the one loss going into that game. The other thing I don't think we've mentioned yet is, hey, we mentioned that Trace McSorley was banged up, right? But what I don't know that we actually have mentioned yet is uh, is that Michigan was coming off a bye. They and were. That, that was a and, big deal. And Penn State had that last year at home against Michigan. Yep. And they were really kind of the same game but flipped. Yep. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a huge deal. You're, you're 100% right. I mean, that sometimes that's just... It's it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and that's what and that's what you get. Um, going a little bit off topic, but I would say that I already expressed my concerns earlier about the coaching and game prep and time management. Is it a little concerning to you that James Franklin in his career, no matter where he is, has never won a game on the road against a top twenty five team? 
Yeah, that's one of those interesting stuff. I mean, because you're at right? Vanderbilt. So if you're at Vanderbilt and you're playing all these – so you're saying he's got to go to Florida, win in the swamp when they're ranked, or go to Georgia, beat them when they're ranked, go to Alabama, beat them, go to LSU, beat them. It's just not really totally possible, especially when you're dealing with a Vanderbilt. That's why I'm interested to hear your answer on this. Yeah, I don't really worry about stuff like that because okay. I think you can pick anything out. At the end of the day, if he wins the next four football games, he's had ten wins in each of the last three years. A Big Ten championship. I think that would be. Would that be the first time ever at Penn State? I believe so. Or in a while, in a really long time, it'd yeah. be something really, really that you'd have to look back on. Eighties, seventies, mm-hmm. something like that. And so, no, I'm not really particularly worried about that. Um, you beat a really good Washington team on a neutral site, a team that would have beaten just about anybody. Yeah, you had you had Southern you had Southern Cal beaten Brandon Bell getting injured. I think was a big deal mm-hmm. there. Uh, you had Ohio State beaten the last, last two year. years. You had Michigan State beaten the last two uh, years. Was Michigan State even ranked, or were they were they like twenty four when last year when Penn State played them? I'm not sure. I don't know if they were. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I think they got in the ranking right after up that. to twelve, which was amazing. Right. Um, which actually made Ohio State's I, resume for them when they hammered right, them the very next week. Exactly. But I think that. I mean, think about this for a second. Since Penn State's whiteout win last year against Michigan, they are 0-5 against Ohio State, Michigan State, and Michigan. Yeah. The two losses last year on the road, back-to-back weeks, Ohio State, Michigan State. This year, the back-to-back losses, Ohio State, Michigan State, and then the trip to Ann Arbor. Mm -hmm. Boy, what's their record since that Ohio State game, or since that Michigan game last year? That'd be interesting to see. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure off the top of my head. You're talking six and three, probably like ten and five, nine and five, something like that. I know their, I know their, um, their record with, um, without Joe Moorhead isn't that good. Yeah, I think it's about, I think it's, and this is be- when Franklin first got to Penn State too without him. I think right, they're about, right. I think they're about twenty and fifteen without uh, him. That's another one, and I know so is my nine yeah. and five stat right. since that uh, Michigan game last year. But I think that Moorhead stat is picking and choosing, and I understand that he's a big part of the offense and calling the plays. And I know that everybody has issues with Ronnie. I have less issues with Ronnie than most. I acknowledge that there have been some poor play calls. I think that what they had against Michigan was a very tired team and a play call that wasn't conducive to sure. to leveraging anything else out of out of their guys. I don't think he put them in a position to succeed. Uh, that said, I do think that Ricky Ronnie is going to be a strong coach over the long term. I hope and you're this right. Is a really good learning experience. I for hope him. you're right, and I, I I'm not ready. I don't think it's fair to give him the boot after this year. Um, but I think that there's going to be at least one or two coaches that are, are um, asked well, to not come back. Speaking of boots, we got Brett checking in again now. He's he's not a Penn State guy, as we mentioned, but he's a good football man. He wants to know, and he might be just yanking the chain a little bit, but is Franklin on the hot seat if they happen to lose to Wisconsin? Two letters, I would say no. N-O. I would say no as of now, now if you lose to Maryland or Rutgers, I would say absolutely the really? heat up. Wow! Because, well, especially Rutgers. But I mean, um, I hear you. I can't see that I, happening. But you know, I don't. I wouldn't say he's on the hot seat. Not. I, I go both both ways about whether I think he's the man to lead the program, because in the Big Ten, you're if you want to play elite football, you're gonna have to win the big games, home or away. You're gonna have to win them. Not going to win them all, but you have to win your fair share. Okay, um, 
I would say no because of the transition that I talked about earlier with the coaches and the new, a lot of new faces. He's also recruiting at a very high level. He relies on his coordinators and position coaches though, to really coach those guys up. Yep. He can get the talent in. Um, he's not the best X's and O's. I'm sure he'd be the first to tell you that. He's a manager but of he people, can, though. Right, and he and that is that is a skill that is very important with, with dealing with the college football program and being the CEO, head coach of that. Um, because, really, your coordinators are doing most of the work anyway when it comes to game planning and your position coaches. But I don't think he's necessarily on the hot seat, but I think that you're going to see at least one or two changes um, at the end of the season that are going to impact some coaches. No matter what, no matter what they do the rest of the way, you think. I mean, if they went, if they lost the rest of their games, it's a, but what if they win all four? I still, I still think that there's going to be evaluating. I think that at least one or two will probably be asked to, you know, fair enough. Move on. I think I've said this a lot on this show before. James Franklin. I'm a big fan of his as a coach, whether Mm -hmm. he was coaching Penn state or another program, I know the reasons that people have issues with him. I think we need to understand. And, and uh, you know, I guess I don't know this for certain, but Bill O'Brien, in my mind, was fantastic for the program for what they needed. At if, the he time, was, if he was going yeah. to be here at this time and this was his ship for five years, Penn State would not be at this level, they wouldn't in be able my to recruit. opinion. They wouldn't, he, he wasn't a recruiter. He wasn't a recruiter. He yeah. was much more involved. He was more of an operations manager than a CEO. He'd be great as an offensive coordinator. No doubt about it. I don't think he would come back and take that job, though, do you? Well, you never know. <laughs> I mean, uh, if the Texans kind of turned it around recently, but – he was on the hot seat there for a little bit. I mean, I feel like you're always on the hot seat in the NFL. I think it, uh, listen, I think it's crazy. I think coaching changes in society happen way too quickly. Football is a great example. I mean... Which I, is I, why I don't think they're going to get rid of Ronnie this year. It's one year. Dude, don't get rid of Ronnie. He, they're that, not that, going to, but I crazy. think they're going to make other changes on that side of the ball. I Fair do. enough. Yep. Fair enough. So, good thoughts from everybody here out there on our Twitterverse and our Facebook live stream. Tyler, is it time to do some picks? We'll do some picks. Okay. Give me the big games this week. All right, we'll go uh, number 10, Ohio State, at number 18, Michigan State. Um, This is only a a three-and-a-half-point line favoriting the Buckeyes. Interesting line. Hmm. I like the Buckeyes big. I'm gonna go Ohio State as well. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna say big. I think by probably about a touchdown or or ten points. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what to make of you know really either team. This kind of like what we talked about earlier. Um, but I do like Ohio State. Real quick, um, I wanted to talk about our picks from last week for those who were watching. Oh yeah, that's right. We picked all like the big games, and I think we were pretty dead on for the most part with at least our head to head. And we did the uh, the Liberty at UMass game. Which he picked UMass. I picked uh, Liberty. UMass won in a shootout in like four overtimes <laughs> by three. So it was a good. It was a good game to uh, have a friendly wager. A little on, tiebreaker. So. Um, anyway, let's get some other big games this week. Uh, let's go. Mississippi State at Alabama. Um, Alabama three touchdowns. Don't care the line. And the line is twenty three and a half. Okay. Wow. So, uh, Ooh. Give me the tide. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go tide. I'm gonna I'm gonna go over the. Uh, He'll give the points there. Yeah, they're just too good. They are. Too they're on another. They're on another planet. Too darn good. Uh, let's go next. We're gonna go. Let's see. 
Do we have some Jeopardy music on? Uh, Auburn, on Auburn at Georgia. Georgia, big, three touchdowns. And Georgia is actually three touchdowns, fourteen point favorites. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Georgia by. I'm gonna go Georgia by ten. Okay. I'm not gonna go as big. Um, rivalry game for both of these teams. They play every year. They're a crossover in the SEC. Um, I'm gonna go uh, Georgia by ten. So. Okay, keeps um, them right in the mix. They control their own destiny for the college football playoff. And the 8 o'clock ABC game is Clemson at Boston College. Boston College ranks 17, yeah, Clemson great. 2. Yeah, great. Clemson by 21. And they're 20-point <laughs> favorites. Really? So there you're right, right on. I'll, I'll, take the po- or I'll give the points again. There you go. Um, yeah, I think, I think Clemson's going to be too much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take uh, Clemson by probably two touchdowns, 17 points in that ballpark. So. All right. You're taking um, the points. There. I'll take the points. There, I like yeah. it. And then um, we can close out with uh, Penn State and Wisconsin. Penn State by 21. <laughs> Penn State's <laughs> no, nine, nine point favorites. Yeah. Nine point favorites. Uh, I think I'm going to actually give the points again. I think we got routes here this weekend. Maybe it's Penn State by two touchdowns, two to three touchdowns, but I think they win big. I think they respond. I think their manhood was called out a little bit last week and they figure it out a little bit. That said, Trace McSorley, like I said last week, if he is fully healthy, that's the wild card. Yeah, I uh, I, I tend to think I have a pretty good feel on on what's going to happen in the games. I I think on the radio list on on our podcast, I said that uh, you know Penn State was fourteen or maybe around eleven point favorite uh, underdogs against Michigan. I said Michigan probably by about ten, maybe seven to ten. I knew really Michigan. We knew they were both going to win the game. We didn't quite think that would happen. Um, I, I think I picked Ohio State this year again to win in a close one, as they did last year. Um, and Michigan State, I was way off on that this year, by the way. But I've I have a good feeling about this this game. I think that um, I'm kind of on the same page as you. I think Penn State wins by probably about 14 points here. Uh, two touchdowns. I just think that both teams are are a little bit broken and trying to find themselves right now, but. To me, Wisconsin's a little bit more broken. Um, you know, going on the road, twelve o'clock start, um, maybe a backup quarterback, and and uh, you know, I hope Penn State. It's twelve o'clock start for them too. I hope they're ready to go. Um, yeah. So it should be interesting, but Penn State needs to get something going because they really haven't played up to the ex- the level that we've seen them the last couple of years. So be nice to end the season strong here, starting this week. If I was taking a parlay of those four or five games, and I'm giving points on all of them. Boy, I'd be sweating it out on Saturday. You might, yeah. Go ahead, do it. See what happens. Why not throw yeah, the money not? down? Let us know how it goes next week. Last game of the year. Can't hold anything back now. There you go. Well, you feel better? What, you've been waiting to get that. I'll off let your chest? I'll let you know next week if I see the same stuff. I'm not going to be feeling better. But Fair enough. Hopefully, I am. Hopefully, this desk though can provide a little bit of an outlet for you. That's it, man. All right. Well, it's been fun. Appreciate everybody being with us here tonight for Tyler Gellhouse. I'm Bob Long saying so long. If you're driving up there, by the way, the lots, at least the grass ones, are all closed. So get there early, park downtown, mosey your way up there. They got shuttles as well. Enjoy the night, or I should say day. The noon start, first noon start in a while, First noon start in a while, but now that we have daylight savings, it might be just about dark by the time that game ends anyway. (laughs) So, never fun. But, hey, enjoy the time up there, everybody. We'll see you guys next week on the Nittany Lions Sports Report. And, Boy, this guy brought it tonight. We uh, hopefully so did you as always as a host, Bob. I appreciate it, but you were raring to go well, on some of these things. Lots to get off your chest, but uh, hopefully, 
better things to talk about next week, and we'll see everybody then. Take care.